Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Galaxy Shots podcast and YouTube channel. I am your host, as always, Chris, joined by special guest this evening. It is Keith Downey back in the studio with us. We were just talking beforehand when the last time you were here. And, and those listening, you might be able to help us out because we couldn't figure out if it was pre or post takeover. I've got a feeling it might have been post. I, th- I, th- I thought it was before, but it, it's, it feels like a long time ago. When I drove into the car park just now, I was thinking, God, it feels like a different lifetime ago that I was here. So I don't know. Listen, a lot's happened since the takeover, so it could have <laughs> it been. But I don't know. I might be. I might be wrong. I felt like when I was here, there were. I felt like when I was here, like things weren't that happy, and I, we were trying to cheer. I don't know. The only thing which I'm thinking might have been post takeover is because what you were in and you were talking about transfers. Right. So we probably wouldn't have been talking about transfers. Oh no! Oh no! No, we were always talking about transfers. <laughs> they were just never happening. Just never happen. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, those that are listening live, um, I am going to open this up to to use as well, uh, and keep having to go through questions which you send in as well. So as many as possible, the more the merrier, <clears> and we'll try and, and fire through. Like I said, as many as possible. Um, I'm going to take you back a little bit, Keith. Um, you were there pre-season with the lads, so. It was quite a working holiday for yourself, wasn't it? <laughs> a working holiday. <laughs> you know, even you get that now, obviously, I'll be in Dortmund a couple of weeks ago and then going to Paris next week, people yeah. keep saying, oh, enjoy your holiday. I'm like, <laughs> right, okay, it's a holiday for the fans who are going over there because they're having a great time. For me, the more people that are there, that are there the more there is, the more kind of that's riding on it, the more work you have to do. Yeah. In terms of pre-season, yeah, look, there wasn't a lot of stress, shall we say, with it because it was pre-season mm-hmm. and there wasn't like a big tournament up for grabs or a high-pressure game. Um, so it, it was probably a bit more chilled. It didn't help that halfway through the trip, I badly injured my ankle and it's still not right today. Was so uh, steps? Yeah, was no, it, it was, it was, it was actually the day after. Oh, yeah, and before you ask, I wasn't hungover. Um, I was hungover the day after the Rocky Steps and then the day after that, I actually went to the gym, would you believe? Mm-hmm. And I was walking out the gym and I was reading an email and I, I was like, what? And I, was reading, and I wasn't concentrating and I think I had three steps left and I thought I only had one. <laughs> and I went over a my ankle and for the next... Well, I think we were still away for another two weeks. Mm. So <clears throat> for the rest of the, the trip, I was just in a lot of pain. Every time I went up in the air on a flight, whether it was like, because we had to keep getting these yeah. domestic flights to Atlanta and then to New York and then Washington. Every time I went up, it just massively swelled. So anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you that, but um, basically it's still not right. So um, I'm still I'm still troubled by with uh, by it. But the, the trip in, in general... Were you covering just Newcastle? Or was no, it no, I was. Yeah, yeah, I was doing it all. Yeah, so obviously there were six clubs out there. I mean, we we, we didn't do too much Brentford or Brighton. Um, it was mainly Newcastle and Chelsea, and then probably to a slightly lesser extent Aston Villa. Um, is, is that? I'm not being hostile to any of the other fans of those clubs. Is that because of the? 
the desired content from the, those fans that are watching that. Or is yeah, that just because it's the big boy sort of. Thing? Nah, it's just it's just our, our we know we can see from our viewing figures mm. who watches what and who watches why. We can see it on our online content. Um, I mean, just to give you an example now, after all the Champions League games, the reporter who covers the club mm. or covers the game has to do a little sum up of the match. Just like, so it's me stood there in Dortmund the other week mm. talking to the camera for like five minutes about the game and what it means. And and our, one of our online guys contacted me and said, like the, the three that you've done this season from, or four, uh, four now, the two Dortmund games, the PSG home match and the... Um, so how many games has it been three so far? I'm losing track. How many? In the and a Milan away, a Milan away four. I'm losing, I'm losing track with the amount well, of games. Do you know what the schedule? Yeah, the schedule is just becoming ridiculous, and I'm kind of losing track of what what's happened and what's not. But anyway, um, those uh, the four that I've done for the games, they said the actual viewing figures and the people who have clicked on it, like by far and away. Mm outweighed anything from the other clubs in the Champions League. Really? So, it, so it shows the interest for Newcastle and, and the fan base just now and a real kind of thirst for information. So with regards to pre-season, um, Chelsea and Newcastle are just a bigger draw. And then Aston yeah. Villa, Aston Villa to a slightly lesser extent, but we were going quite big in Villa. Also, it was who who was doing business. Like Newcastle signed Harvey Barnes out there, so that was quite a big news story yeah. at the time. Chelsea were trying to sign Caicedo from Brighton, and Brighton were there, and I did the Chelsea-Brighton game, and Caicedo was walking past in the mix zone afterwards, oh. and you could see the Chelsea owners, and it was just this weird, awkward moment. Yeah. So there was a few new, news stories around it. Like, they weren't too bothered about Brentford because they weren't really doing too much. Mm, yeah. um, and then I think, was it Fulham was the other team? So, um, listen, it was good. I got to see parts of America that I've never been to and it was a, an amazing experience. It was it was full on in terms of me covering all those teams. I would have loved it, like quite a lot of my colleagues who cover Newcastle, you know, Lee Ryder at the Chronicle, Craig Hope at the Daily Mail, um, George Calkin at the Athletic. They were there just purely to cover just, Newcastle. Just following the club. Yeah, yeah, they were just doing Newcastle. And for them, it was probably a little bit easier. They got a bit more downtime. For me, I was kind of getting pulled in different directions mm. but we were helped by the fact that quite often the clubs were all in the same place yeah. so like i remember we sat before one game um or before one we kind of think it was the, the philadelphia doubleheader and we sat in the press room and like literally all four managers and captains were just stood in the corridor waiting to get in one oh, really? after the other <laughs> and i think one of the clubs got caught in traffic and and i think eddie and jamal lascelles were stood outside waiting alongside pochettino and raheem sterling and everyone was just queued up right so in a way like we actually got through quite a lot of work mm. in just a small window of time so listen it was good it was an amazing trip saw some great places, met some amazing people as well um some of the newcastle fans who met in atlanta um in New Jersey, everywhere really, just like everywhere, everywhere you went. Were you shocked about the fan base over there? Like I mean, how intense it was. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't massive. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I've covered a couple of Rangers trips before in America and Vegas, yeah. and I was like, wow, I can't believe there's so many. It it wasn't massive, but it felt as though it was growing. Like it felt mm. like it felt like it's growing. I felt I found them very knowledgeable and very. Um, it was it was almost as though like and when when I met the guys from Atlanta it was almost like it felt like we walked in this booth in Atlanta one night and it was one of these official unofficial parties and um, it felt like you were just walking into the strawberry yeah like it it felt as like it was proper Newcastle fans it wasn't just people jumping on the the bandwagon it felt like it was people who've supported them through the for a long time the bad time as well there wasn't there weren't a huge amount but. Um, 
it felt really felt like it was growing. The one thing I was really surprised with over there, I did the Wrexham Chelsea match before the summer mm. se- Premier League summer series started. There were as many Wrexham fans at that match as there were Chelsea, and obviously that's due to the, the owners and yeah. what's happening over there with them. But look, there's no doubt there's a big following in in America, but I think it will get bigger mm. as times change. And you know, you could tell that they were real fans and they were clued up and they knew everything that we did yeah. and all the family. I'm sure you probably get a lot of viewers and you know people interested in yeah, what you absolutely. do because they can't and I, and I found that as well that like people saying oh we read all your stuff on twitter or we watch your stuff on you and i only started just doing some youtube videos that summer mm. um that uh, just a couple of months ago that summer and people were coming oh, i've been watching youtube and I'm like, i only yeah. started it two weeks ago but they're just there's obviously just like a real appetite for any kind of information and they um and they just they seem really knowledgeable with everything that was mm. that was going on it, it, it's right what you're saying um the, the likes of when we look at our stats and stuff away where you're getting downloads from obviously uk is your biggest one it's always going to be the case but then there's a lot in america america's <clears> close, <throat> close second to be fair and, and one of the lads that does a podcast with us on monday he went to the states just as a holiday and he got spotted in a bar as well which is really yeah. random yeah. just a, a newcastle fan just because he does this yeah spotted by a, a diehard newcastle united fan as well which which I, is, is mental I've, I've weirdly noticed so i've only been doing the youtube thing for a couple of months but people keep coming up to me going oh I've seen you on YouTube. I've seen you doing stuff. I'm like, you do not have been working for Sky Sports for <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> oh, I've seen your stuff on you. Are you the guy off of YouTube? And I'm like, oh my God. There's two guys came up to me at the airport when I was going on, I went on holiday a couple of weeks ago and um, came up to me. They, oh, are you the guy off YouTube? I'm like, oh my God. I've done 10 years of Sky Sports News and like, they're only noticing that on YouTube. But I think it's just people consume the so information the, in, in the different ways people are getting you and, and pete confused are just people thinking you're the guy of youtube now i know it's, i actually <laughs> prefer the pete and now <laughs> <laughs> what was the atmosphere like that over though in the states like obviously we know about the fan base and things like that but amongst the squad can you really say that that togetherness yeah in the squad yeah, first def- yeah i mean like you see it on a daily basis at yeah. the training ground like I, I didn't need to go to america to see that myself yeah. like i see that from the interviews we do interviews on a weekly basis with the players and although you're not sat with them for hours on end or you're not sat in the dressing room you see enough to know Mm. that the atmosphere is good little things today i'm down at leeds i had to go down to leeds united and i bump into carl darlow in the car park outside Mm. and he comes over and i stood chatting to him for about 20 minutes and he's asking about the players and this that and you know and it just you can tell even the players who've left yeah recently there's a a togetherness within the the camp there and I've, i've always felt from certainly in the 10 years I've been here, probably for about seven or eight of them, there's been a real want for good characters. Mm-hmm. That's something you know Eddie Howe is trying yeah. to do. I actually felt Steve Bruce tried to do that as mm-hmm. well. And I think a lot of the guys he brought in were, most of them were decent characters as well. And I feel that has been, I, I feel under Mike Ashley, I think they knew, the managers knew that they had to get the characters right and the, play, mm-hmm. the players right to, because they knew that there was things going on behind the scenes yeah. that weren't that great. I think when you look at the players Eddie Howe's brought in, they are they are all good. I mean, you could go through that squad, and if you ever needed a favour or you needed someone to do an interview with you last minute, or you, they would all yeah, they they would all do board. They're good. They're, they're good. They're, they're guys playing in the Champions League, but without a Champions League mentality. Yeah. Um. And say mentality, I mean ego. Sorry. Yeah. They have a mentality, but they don't have that ego that goes that's along with it. Sort of thing. Yeah. 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 No, it, it makes sense to be fair. Now I think we highlighted ages ago that that Eddie Howe's base model was to bring in the right character mm. first of all mm. it just helps that you yeah. bring in great talents as well oh, along with it yeah yeah and i think that's i think that's the aim it's it's not just to bring characters it's, it's it's someone who's got a bit of everything mm. over there in america they did uh they did an open day in atlanta where they invited all the fans in and i, I mean the fans who had traveled there and then the local fans i don't think they could believe what they were seeing mm. they were just like wow the, and the players couldn't have 
they, they just they were there. I mean, it was must have been about thirty five degrees. It was oh, forty degrees. Got it. You know, it, it was one of those moments where you're thinking. Getting to go and watch yeah, a training no, session no, and interact with players and this. I did think that. I thought the amount of Newcastle fans back home here in the northeast who would give their right arm for mm. that, and there's fans over there who, yeah, they were getting their moment, but they were the players were just standing chatting away yeah. to them for for ages, and it wasn't just like they, they would so they would chat to Sven Botman for ten minutes, and then he'd walk on, and they would chat Somebody to else. Isak for ten minutes, and then yeah. Matt Ritchie would come along, and then <laughs> Nick Pope, and it was just it was just this. They, I don't think they could believe what was yeah. was happening. I actually met. Um, the night before that, I was out for dinner and this guy came up to me and he goes, hi, hi Keith, how you doing? He goes, I'm um, Max Milburn. I'm the grandson of Jackie, or great-grandson of Jackie Did you put him on social media and, about and he told me this, And his dad was in, his dad was the grandson and he was a great-grandson and it was an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And I got chatting away to him, they're a really nice family. And they're like, we really want to go to the training session tomorrow, but we can't get tickets. So I managed to speak to the club and I got mm. them in. I said, right, you can come along, but you're carrying our bags in for us. <laughs> so they helped us with our equipment. They were so nice, lovely, lovely family. and. Um, and uh, and they came in and they were just like wow is this and uh, I don't know I just it just had a real kind of the whole thing just kind of had a real mm. sort of family feel about it and the club were very open and I think they're trying to reach out to the fans who are there and trying to get new fans on board and I, as I've said already I think as time goes on they're just gonna it's just gonna it's gonna be a snowball effect and they're just yeah. gonna get gonna get more and more it's but... it's surreal like because because I've I've been at the training ground before and, and it was when Rafa was there. Um, and it just obviously wasn't the same. Obviously, Rafa came and had a good conversation with us. There was probably about six of us. Mm. Um, but the players just weren't interested. Really not. Nah, it was just like normal run of the day sort of thing. Them And, and I think the only one that came over was, was Perez. Uh, Perez made an effort and right. came over and had a chat with her. The rest of them, just in oh, I mean, I mean, this was, they were all in amongst them for an hour. The only thing that stopped her was the weather was so hot. Yeah. Like, they were, it was really... It was really actually difficult to, to sort of stand around in it too long. And I think that was the only thing that brought it to a close. But the players had all the, the time to chat away and they were sharing jokes with them and whatnot. But I think a lot of that comes down to if you think if you think about when you visited the club, like things mm. weren't good and players players can get a little bit sort of embarrassed or, mm. you know, maybe they're annoyed about the way they're performing, the team's performing, they maybe don't want to front up to fans. Yeah. They look at the fans there and think they're probably the fans that are abusing us at the weekend. Whereas yeah. the players who are playing now know right now the fans absolutely adore mm. them. They're kind of walking on water and there's not really anything they yeah. can there's not really anything they can It was towards the end of, of Rafa's tenure at the yeah. club as well and it was a bit toxic anyway. Yeah. Um obviously with all the headlines and that. But it's a lot more positive these <laughs> days. It is. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go start going through some of the questions. Yeah. Um the first one is from Joe. Um that says uh, hi Keith, uh, what's the biggest change you've noticed in your job covering Newcastle since the takeover? Oh um well Champions I mean, obvious, there's, there's loads. There's loads. <laughs> um I mean the positivity. I'm suddenly, I'm suddenly, you know, waking up thinking I've got some positive things to talk yeah. about now, or lots of positive things. Whereas before, you, I felt like I was just, it was a sort of political minefield. You were trying mm. not to upset anyone too much, but trying to get the news out there. And honestly, like like it is for you guys as fans. For me and my job as well, it, you were existing. You were just getting by. Yeah. You were just trying to get to the next window, hoping things would get a bit better. And I remember the window in COVID when when the club signed Callum Wilson, mm. Ryan Fraser, and Jamal Lewis, and I thought, 
wow, this is great. And looking back now, when you think about that compared to it's night and day, we, we mm. thought that was positive at the time and it's night and day compared to what, what it is now. I think I think the biggest thing for me, and it's a pretty obvious one to say, but the, the workload. So there's a real there's a real kind of appetite now from Sky Sports and Sky Sports News in particular to have me on as much as possible. Mm. So if there's a story happening like the Tenali one a couple of weeks ago, I, I don't think I was off the TV for about 10 days. When the takeover went through, I think I did 87 lives in the space of a week, like live hits. I was exhausted. Mm. So the workload, there's a lot more to do, but I would rather that. I don't want to be forgotten about in the background. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to just be you know, popping up on a Friday for a press conference and that's all. I, wa mm. I want to be busy. I mean, you look at the schedule for the next five, six weeks up until the turn of the year and, you know, Newcastle don't have a, a, a free midweek. It's going to be weekend, midweek, yeah, weekend, all the way through. Now, while that's busy for the players and the staff, that's that's the same for us guys who are covered. We're going to have to go to all those games as well. I'm not saying we have to go, but it's quite it's quite taxing after mm. a while. And I actually I did a live like a couple of Fridays ago pre the uh, press conference on the Friday morning. It was like seven thirty a.m. and I got a message from one of my producers saying, "Keith, are you okay?" I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "You just are you sure?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Are you feeling okay?" I said, "I'm just exhausted." It was just after the Dortmund trip. I said, "I'm exhausted. I've not stopped for weeks," and. Uh, and he said, uh, I could tell, <laughs> you, you, you looked at <laughs> it on TV. I was like, all right, we're going to have to get some more makeup set up. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, it's the workload. But listen, I'm not complaining. I w I've wanted to be like that for a long time. And, you know, there's, there's probably certain things in my work at the moment which aren't really going for me. But the one thing that's going for me is the fact that the, um, the story is a good one. Mm. It's a positive one. It's fun to be talking about the club again, and everyone likes it. You know, I'm looking forward to the January transfer window. Especially your next question. Yeah, especially after the news yesterday about the the the, the ruling, the, the loan ruling. Mm. Um, I'm now looking at January, thinking, oh, hang on, that brings a whole new meaning to January. What 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 could happen? Whereas before that, I was thinking, oh, they're going to have they're going to have to be creative here to sign yeah. anyone. Whereas now, that's maybe opening up a an avenue for them to. Are you, are you surprised? And, and we'll talk about the the Premier League vote, which has happened, and I think was a thirteen against it now, or, or something daft like that. The number changed last night, didn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think the actual, I think the vote for the um, for the loan was twelve eight. Yeah, I think the other the other which was the. the the sponsorship um, mm -hmm. and um, market fair market value. I think the the vote was thirteen seven. But listen, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. They were both very close to not mm -hmm. going, not being. Yeah, close. Uh, sorry, they were both very close to being passed through, which would mean that Newcastle are in a, they would have to take a step back. Mm -hmm. But now they're in a position where, wow, what did he do in January? Because this is for me now looking at it, it's a window of opportunity. Are, are you surprised that that obviously I know you work in the media as well? Do you think the reason Newcastle are are on those headlines? Is because of that that relationship that Newcastle with Saudi and how they're leagued. As in, what I mean by headlines is that Newcastle led. That's what I'm saying. Newcastle led vote and things. Well, listen. Like let's that. be honest. This meeting has only taken place because of Newcastle. Yeah, of course. Why has it not happened before? Hmm. Why didn't it happen this time last year? Yeah. Or why didn't it happen? You know, last the last time they met in March or April towards the end. Mm -hmm. Why has it not happened then? It's only happened now because they've been alerted to it, mm. right? And they're aware of it. And that's why it's happened. So the Premier League have obviously wanted to put a stop to that, mm -hmm. but they've not managed to get the backing that they thought from, yeah. from the other clubs. And when, it's actually not that surprising when you look at it because I think originally I thought, how many clubs how many clubs are actually affiliated with others? But when you look, actually the majority of them are. Yeah, most of them. I think uh, Palace have got links with, with a yeah. French club and I think Palace didn't actually vote against it, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but... 
like so you've got Newcastle, you've got Man City, you've yeah, got Pal- Palace. Palace. I think Palace were one of the ones who actually voted for the ban. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Um, but you look at clubs like, um, you know, uh, Nottingham Forest, mm. like they quite often loan players from Olympiacos. Yeah. And they've got a tie in there at Olympiacos. You look at um, Chelsea. I mean, we don't know what Chelsea are doing in terms of transfers yeah, at the moment. They, they're they're going to be close to financial fair play soon as well. They might have to be creative. Mm. Okay. Then you look at Man City. The Man City one's a strange one for me, but I think Man City look at it and think, are Man, the, the Man City at this moment in time really feel challenged by Newcastle? Like, I think we'll all put our hands up and admit Newcastle are doing great and they've huge strides, but they're still they're still miles away from where Manchester City are winning the yeah, winning course, the tre- yeah. winning the treble last season. And I, I think Man City probably look at Newcastle as a rival at this at this moment mm-hmm. in time, certainly for the title, and certainly not this season with the yeah. Champions League and the, the the schedule that Newcastle have got. And then you look at Sheffield United, and Sheffield United are um, owned by a Saudi group yeah so um that might be part of the reason why they've they've sort of helped out newcastle there but were you shocked that, that the vote didn't go through against it because uh, i was I, I, I wasn't shocked. I, I was i was surprised i think if you'd asked me this question the same question last week i would have mm. said i would have said no chance there's no way that's getting passed there's no way that's that will get passed through there's going to be a ban yeah but then over the last few days, the start of this week and the end of last week, when I started looking at the other clubs and just hearing little bits and mm. pieces from what people were potentially going to do, I thought, hang on, this might not be as cut and dry. as tip iceberg, wasn't it? Newcastle yeah. being the spear. And, and it, sound, it, sound, it sounded as though, um, it sounded as though, you know, I think Newcastle thought it was going to the, the wire as well. And there was a lot of sort of frantic calls behind the scenes asking each other what they were going to do. Mm. And listen, clubs might have helped each other out who they've got, you know, like, 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 as I say, there's a little, little bit of a relationship there between Sheffield United and Newcastle, but they've ended up, they've ended up doing it with two votes to spare. Mm. They've ended up getting there with two votes to spare. And to go back to your original question, I think, I, I know you're saying Newcastle are the, the team that are kind of getting named, but. I think the reason for that is one, it was put in for Newcastle because it would have been done beforehand. But secondly, this the situation we're in now in January, Newcastle now have the biggest pool of players to select from if they decide to go down this loan mm. route. I mean, the PIF own four clubs in Saudi, yeah. right? I mean, listen, let's let's speculate here, right? But of those four clubs, Cristiano Ronaldo plays for one. Karen Benzema plays for another. Right? There's a good selection there. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, some of the some of the some of the biggest players in the world. But those guys aren't going to come to Newcastle, right? But look at guys like we've met Ruben Neves is the one everyone mentions. Is Ruben Neves going to win Newcastle the league title? No, he's not. Right? He would come in as a replacement for Tenali until mm-hmm. the end of the season, yeah. and then and he'd give them an extra body. Look, he played for Wolves. He didn't pull up any trees there. He was a decent enough player. He'd make Newcastle stronger. Is he really gonna? Is he, he'd probably get help him get a couple of points a season, like over the course of mm-hmm. it, you know? But he's not going to win them a title. But you look at some of the other players who are in there, guys like Almeric Laporte, right? Mm-hmm. Who was at Manchester City, you know? Someone like that's interesting. I would yeah. say with Sven Botman out injured mm. at the moment, left-sided centre half. You've got that Gabriel Vega, who is a player Newcastle have scouted. Pretty much every other top European club have scouted who's was at Celta Vigo, he's gone to Saudi for big money, he's on huge wages there, but someone like him, he would fit the Eddie, Eddie Howe yeah, mould. So, you know, there are players there who could come in. I, I mentioned Benzema and Ronaldo yeah. and Neymar, Neymar's injured, but these guys aren't going to happen. Fitting but, well. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, no, I don't know if there's any room for him. But, um, but theoretically, 
there's nothing to there's nothing to stop it happening. It's just I don't think it will. I just can't yeah. see Newcastle doing that, like yeah. because I know the sort of players that the manager wants and doesn't want. He wants young, hungry. But he doesn't want huge big eagles who are going to come Possibly, in and overpower yeah. them. That, that could ruin everything. Yeah, what but, he has done so far. But it, but but the way it stands just now, that could happen. Yeah, it won't. It won't. But there's nothing to stop them doing that. So, do you think because because the rumor was that that we've seen this before where the club will put a name out there in the open. Just to, to as a as a red heron sort of thing, and look elsewhere where everybody's in that direction. They shift off mm-hmm. another. Do you think that's the case? What they've done there, they've obviously put it the feelers out there saying, "Oh, we're we're going to potentially loan uh, Ruben Neves." No, so the, well, Newcastle were interested in Neves before any of this came mm. to the fore. So that would have been last summer. It's last summer, yeah. Or was it the last January? Yeah, they were interested in him then. Um, I mean, we. We asked Eddie Howe in one of his press conferences just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think it was the the week after we, we had an interview with Dan Ashworth and um, and he said, look, it's a player we have previously been interested yeah. in. So that doesn't mean they can't reignite that in January. They may they may still do that. And I, I think The Athletic put a story out in the last 24 hours saying that um, Newcastle aren't, he's, he's happy at Al-Hilal and Newcastle aren't, aren't going to go for him. Um, but look, that could change if Newcastle mm. make a move in, in January. And you, you have to say, it would be remiss of PIF mm not to help Newcastle out in January when they're, you know, they've got so many injury issues yeah. at the moment. Okay, they might be out of the Champions League by 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 January, but it doesn't matter. You're still going to have a lot of games to play between now and the end of the season and the, the priority is to ensure you're back up there. If you're not in the top four, at least in the top you're six fine. Yeah. and trying to get up there. So what you don't want now is with this huge injury list to come is and the, this huge schedule to come, sorry, is the season to peter out. And when you look at it, there's a potential of that between now and Christmas if they don't if they don't get through these next mm. six weeks. So, um, it's going to be a comp- by the time January by the time the transfer window opens in January, the picture could be completely different. You know, Newcastle could still be in a strong position, mm-hmm. or they could be out of the Carabao Cup. They could have shuttled down the league a bit, and they could be out of the Champions League. They yeah. could be out of Europe. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could be. Out of, they might not even qualify for the Europa League. But Blue, listen, Blue, let's Blue, let's Blue, not Blue. let's let's not be negative about it. Let, let's hope that there's there's a, there's enough within the squad and there's enough fight to get through this difficult spell and you can get the players back. But I just think from what we found out yesterday at that meeting, I just think it brings a whole new element to January. Mm. I was I wasn't really looking forward to January. I hate the January transfer window. But now with this, I'm like, oh, hang on, this makes it a little, this there. makes it a little bit more interesting. And I think you guys as fans should be feeling like that as well. Yeah, of course. I think obviously with the injuries as well, which we we'll have, I think the club have to look at, at something. And obviously the suspension, which we've got for Tenali now, that, mm. that leaves us a little bit light. Yeah, I mean, listen, nobody, nobody planned for that at yeah. all, did they? And I think I think what's been the most frustrating recently is that when you look at the players who have been injured and you looked at that Manchester United game at Old Trafford a few weeks ago, Tenali was Tenali suspended, Murphy was injured, um, Barnes was injured. And I was looking it was it was like all guys it was all guys who would have come in and played that game. Yeah. It was almost like the eleven were still there or the best part of the eleven. But the kind of guys who'd have come in and they'd be freshening, freshening the team up, he couldn't, he couldn't do that. And I think mm. that's what's been difficult is the, the guys like Sia Murphy's who'd be perfect for a Carabao Cup game or Barnes or Tenali who's just finding his feet mm. aren't available. And I, I just think the Tenali thing, it was such a huge chunk of the club's transfer budget in the summer. I mean, £55 million yeah. pounds and a player who's not going to be available for the 10 next. A lot next. of work went into that transfer oh, as well. I mean, it's, uh, they've been left with a real bloody nose from that. Like They really they really have. And look, I don't think it's the end, the last we'll hear of it. Um, 
but what do you do when a player's got a problem like that? The first thing you do, and Eddie Howe was right, is you have to look after mm. the the player. You've got to remember as a human, as a, as a human being, and at the end of all this criticism, and um, I think the, the way the club have handled it has been has been impeccable. Yes, they probably are disappointed with themselves at the due, the due, due diligence that they've done. Um, Dan Ashworth said that he said, "Look, I question myself." He goes, "I could have done something better, did I?" And he goes, "The first person I look at is myself." And I think, you know, you've had a couple of sleepless nights as a mm. result of that. Um, but what do you do? You have to just, you have to just get on with it. And, yeah, you know, you've got, you know, you've got to do. You know what it's like. We'll be sitting here in this exact seat in in August at the start of the season. Going, God, that season went quick, and suddenly yeah. Tanali's back available like again. Signing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we've got a question from from Rob. Uh, he says, "Hi Keith, uh, what do you think the expect? Uh, sorry, hang on. What do you think the expectation is from within the club this season? Because obviously, I, I think he's referring to the the whole plan was to to get Champions League football within yeah. um, four years. I think it mm-hmm. was that manner. Stevie said, and winning the Premier League overall. Obviously, that first season shocked everybody because massively ahead of schedule. Yeah. Do you think that the club have then gone back to slightly adjust things and think, well, we're ahead of schedule?" We'll now start a new project from now or do you think the original project is still in place i think the original project's in place as a whole mm-hmm. but i think the fact that the club are in the champions league right now is taking you down a different avenue yeah. it's kind of you've kind of gone off gone off on a tangent a little mm. bit there's an argument to say that actually getting in the champions league now every year is the best thing for the club financially with mm-hmm. the revenue streams it can bring in and getting yourself as a, a a club who's in the Champions League year after year, yeah. established that can actually really help with getting revenue into the mm-hmm. club, and that's what the club needs more more than yeah. anything. Um, but it's so hard to keep doing that, you know. It really is. And what you need to remember is, you know, people 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 say to me a lot of the time. They say, "Why um, why are we why are we why are we have FFP already? Like, why have we like you look at Chelsea, look at what they're doing, look at what look at Aston Villa. They they've signed all these players. What you need to remember is." Newcastle have come from nothing. And what I mean by that is they have not been able to trade, so they've not sold anyone other than Chris Woods, who's sold for, what, 15 million, mm-hmm. having bought him for 25, yeah. so it was a 10 million loss. And John Joe Shelby, which was like, I think, a million. Yeah. They've not sold, and, sorry, St. Maximin in the summer. They've not sold anyone. So they've spent 400 million pounds since the takeover in four transfer windows, mm. right? And they've not sold, they've brought in, what, 40 million? Right, so so there's a net there's a spend there of three hundred sixty million. Whereas you look at Aston Villa, they sold Jack Grealish a couple of years ago for a hundred million pounds. They're probably still spending that money. Yeah. Right. So they're trading. Right. And as we've seen with the St. Maximin deal, is when you sell when you sell a player, it's actually because you can spread it out over the course of the you can amortize amortize the deal. Yeah. So the, so they're actually by trading. You look at you look at you look at Man City. Why do you think Manchester City sold Cole Palmer? They sold him because they know that by selling him for whatever it was, 40 or 50 million pounds, is worth more than that financially Overall. to the club. Yeah. They sold Sterling, they sold Zinchenko, they sold Jesus, all these players. Look at Chelsea. Yes, they've, they bought in 15 players in the summer, but they sold 15 as well. Mm. A whole team, you know? Yeah. Mendy and Goals, Mount, um, um, we also God, I can't even remember. I went through. I went through the, uh, the other day. There, I was on another podcast, and I was trying to. I was trying to go through all the players at Chelsea. It's, I couldn't even remember them all. There was that many guys like Obama Yang. I don't know if he's still there, but like they, they're getting guys off the wage bill. They're you know big money for Mount, big money for uh, Mendy. Koulibaly was another one. Um, Hall to Newcastle. Like they're getting money coming in, whereas Newcastle aren't getting that money. Yeah coming in to spend and i think that's that's what people forget so because newcastle were left 
with players who weren't really worth anything. No value, yeah. And guys who were coming towards the end of their careers. It was it was really difficult for them and it's kind of put it's put the new owners kind of behind the, the eight ball before they before they even and start. That's without even looking at external sponsorship as well. That's mm. all internal. Obviously the club are, are trying hardest right now to, to bring in those those sponsors. I'm saying mm. external, most of them have been Saudi, let's be honest. Yeah. That have came in. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's going to continue to grow each yeah. season. But yeah, but they're have with all these deals, they're having to prove fair market fair value. value. Look, they're, they're they're having to do it. And listen, that wasn't the case with Chelsea back in the day or Man City back in the day. But sadly for Newcastle, their takeover just came at the wrong time mm. for them in terms of in terms of what they can do financially. But I've said this to some Newcastle fans: What would you rather? You don't want it. You don't want to go from zero to hundred really fast. Yeah. Do you not want to enjoy the ride? Yeah, like, enjoy the ride. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Do it, bit, yeah. but do it bit by bit, slowly, and it actually almost drags it out longer. And mm. you enjoy, rather than just suddenly here you are. And oh, being in the Champions League was, uh, you know, above and beyond what anyone at the club would have expected. I can't. See, I'll be on. I'll be very surprised if it happens again this year. I just think with the amount of games that the club have to play, the injury situation they've got right now, mm. and it's not just injuries for a couple of weeks. Some of them are going to be out for two, three months yeah. or longer. Tenali out for the season. I, I was looking yesterday. I, I, don't, I don't know podcasts yesterday. The majority of the injuries which we currently have, they're not due back until the, the start mm. of next year, mm. which is still two months away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look at how many games there are, there are exactly. to play between now and then. So I think it's going to be difficult to qualify for the Champions League again. But I think what it has done, this Champions League run, and what it is doing is, it's putting the club back on the map, European. Yeah, and, and okay, if you don't get out of the group, if you even if you finish fourth and you go out of Europe completely, it's putting New, Newcastle United as a club back on back on the map mm. and re- made people realise, hang on, Newcastle are back here. Yes, they might not be challenging for it, but they're back here and they're, they're, and they're competing again. So um, what do you do? Like what do you you're, you're hardly going to turn around and say, oh, do you know what? We're not going to compete in the Champions League. We're just going to take we're not we're not going to take it seriously because it's not part of the plan. Mm-hmm. You're obviously going to put everything into it and hope for the best with injuries. Sadly, that hasn't been the case, and we'll see what happens over the next sort of five six weeks as to how the club manage the situation. The good news is, um, I think Isak will probably be back by the weekend. Um, he was he's been training this week. Mm. Um. So you've got him back. Barnes is ahead of schedule, should be yeah. back soon. So that gives you an option to to Gordon. I think Almiron's okay. Sherth, I think he's an unused sub for Switzerland. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be fine. So suddenly you've got a few coming back. Yes, you've got your longer terms, like, you know, Botman. That's the one that worries me, like what happens with Botman. And that's why I say to you, perhaps they look to January and think maybe we do need to replace him I, with I a I think the issue with, with Botman is, is we hear him one thing saying, oh, he's out for this long then there's been a setback but then you get more and you're saying oh he's now ahead of yeah. schedule then once I again oh, it's another setback. yeah i don't think it's a setback i think they're just trying to avoid him having an operation yeah so they're trying to give him enough rest i think he initially had a setback a way back like mm-hmm. the week after he first injured yeah. it in that sheffield united game i don't think it's been a setback since i think they're just trying to give it enough rest to avoid because they know that if they give him an operation he's going to be probably out the majority of the season Whereas if they can rest them for another, I think they're just trying to give it every chance to heal itself without without giving the oper- without having the operation. Mm. So I don't think it's a setback as such. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one because he's a massive loss. I mean, I think Lascelles has come in and done well. Great job. Yeah, but I he's, think he's not Botman. But yeah. I think we all agree that the team's Botman because he's left sided as well, mm. and him and Cher were just. They had such a good partnership together. They really were. They were absolutely fantastic. Um, We've mentioned injuries there. Um, 
obviously you'll be at the, the press conference coming on Friday, it'll be, won't it? Friday morning, Eddie will be doing mm. his press conference for the Chelsea game. Um, what, what's Eddie Howe's, what's his demeanour being like with these injuries? Because I'm not going to lie, that Bournemouth game, when, I can't remember which player went down, but a player went down earlier on, and he looked stressed a bit with yeah. that. Yeah. Like, he was thinking, not another one. I think it might be Longstaff. Longstaff had a challenge on his ankle. Yeah. And the, him and Tindall looked stressed a bit with Well, it. I think you will. I mean, it was getting to the stage where you're like, surely no more. Like, what yeah. do we do now? I mean, they had a couple of kids on at the end. Mm. Parkinson played, Parkinson didn't he? He was probably not ready. Miley started. Miley started. Miley, was Miley ready to start? He's just coming back from illness himself. Probably not, but he felt he had to play him. Um, I think with Eddie is, I think he'll, the message he'll want to get across is that, look, we've got enough to cope. I still think we can win the game mm -hmm. because if the players watch the press conference on TV or, or read his quotes or hear him on the radio and hear him mumping and moaning about it and being down on himself, yeah. that's not going to help their performance. So he needs to put on a brave face for the players in the hope that they see it mm -hmm. and for the fans yeah. and probably for himself as well. Yeah. Right. But I think deep down, if he's honest with himself, he'll be like, "How, how have we got ourselves out in this position?" Mm. He'll be like, "He'll be looking at the, he'll be looking at the fixture schedule, and he'll be, he'll just, he'll be riddled with anxiety. He'll be like, how are we, how, how are we going to get?'" when you see these sort of injuries and these amount of injuries at a football club, you start looking at other things and think, "How is everybody picking up these sort of injuries?" But every injury is different to the other one. Yeah. It's not like there's, there's a couple of back injuries in there. Yeah. Um. So it's it's not just muscle injuries which you would expect from from the intensity that lads are playing at the moment. I mean, they listen the and they do and they train and he trains them to the same but, extent. <laughs> yeah, but he train. Yeah, they, they train like they play. Yeah. So you know that there might be some people who say, "Well, hang on, are they train? Are they training too hard? Are they training too much?" But then that it's that it's that the way they train that got Newcastle fourth last season exactly. and beat all these top teams and got in their faces and as he said against Man United, give them a effing fast game yeah. like and that's because he got them into that condition and you look at the teams the top teams now they're all super super fit you look at how far liverpool got with like under klopp mm. you know winning the champions league and playing it's very similar style of football actually to what what newcastle yeah. do, do at the moment high pressing yeah and so it's a, it's a delicate situation but i think the main thing for newcastle has been the schedule i think the schedule has been you know even before the season started People say, well, you need to have two players for each position, but they've not really got a, a batch of youngsters coming in that they can even put on the bit. They've got Miley and then Parkinson, but you look at Man City, they've got young guys like, so that, you know, that Oscar Bob, who's seen as a youngster coming through, Rico Lewis. They've seen, as well. yeah, it looks brilliant. I was at the Scotland-Norway game the other night and he was best man to pitch by a mile. But you look at these guys, they're, they're kids according to the squad but they can all play in the first team. Mm. Whereas you look at Newcastle, other than Miley, they're all uh, quite a bit away. That, that was one of the questions, to be fair. Do you feel as if obviously under Mike Ashley, that's not ruined our chances, but that it's put that setback yeah. lastly because we don't have that that academy in the set of the Absolutely. youth team where they can just step in. They're ready to go, yeah. yeah. That's that's set the club back now. And also what I touched on earlier about the, the age of the players and the fact they've been around for a long time and their value. Mm. Like... As I say, when the new owners came in, with regards to that, they were kind of snookered a little bit, and you know they've been. It's almost like they've been starting halfway back the grid and trying to get their way yeah. past. It's, it's not been as easy. And people look at it from outside and they'll say, you know, a lot of my mates in Scotland say, "What well, Newcastle spent all this money? How? No, anyone? But no, it's not like that. All the cl top clubs are all spending that money as mm. well. 
Yeah. They're all spending that money. But Newcastle didn't have anything to build build from. He's done an amazing job with your long staffs and your Almirons and your Fabian Shares, guys who look like yeah. look like they're on their way to an amazing job. But you can only do that so many times. Um and you know, I think it's a schedule. I think the schedule's kind of caught up caught up with them. Um I know it might it might have something to do with the intensity that they play at and they train at, but what do you do? You suddenly rip it all up again, start again and say, yeah. do you know what? Let's play a slow passing control game, possession game. Let's not get in let's not get in teams' phases. Then you take away the whole identity of the team. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So it's for for Eddie it must be difficult because he's he's trying to weigh up the whole thing and he's probably trying to he's probably trying to balance it all. I think as far as he is, I think he will be inside racking his brains, pulling his hair out at what's going on with the injuries but he won't want the players or probably us guys in the media or the fans to see that he's he's feeling like mm, that right yeah. now and as the face of the club as the you know the one who sits at the press conference every day he needs to be the one who puts a brave face on and 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 listen he does it very well yeah he, he does um you mentioned the the um the, the clip which we saw from eddie howe uh, when it was the, the manu game coming up oh. um, so you know the one intense game we're going to yeah, yeah. give him it um, what what were your thoughts on the the, the documentary? Thumbs on Prime because obviously we we went to the the, the premiere, which was at Tyneside Cinema. Drop, uh, drop my opinion. I'll be honest. Yeah, you give me yours. I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I like certain aspects of it, but I just wanted more. Yeah. Well, I, I've watched there was four episodes. Four episodes. I've watched three. Watched three. So I've not watched the final okay. one. Yeah. And I keep meaning to watch it, and I've not. Like, so the something, final one is obviously. Was, I mean, I've watched about ten. Um, serial killer documentary since then that I could have finished in Newcastle I think I've watched them <laughs> I just found that there was a lot of things in there and I don't mean this to sound flippant in any way but there's a lot of things in there that we just kind of see on a daily basis yeah. and it wasn't really new but I can see why the fan, fans would like it but there were a lot of things where I was like oh I thought some of the bits some of the bits were good but it was a little bit of a PR exercise yeah. I, I felt that's what um, I thought it reminded me a little bit of the Man City one Mm. Um, which I thought was that I actually thought and apologies to all the fans watching this but I just thought the Sunderland to I Die one was because it was gritty and it was real and it was just fan led that one wasn't it yeah, as well yeah but it was just the cameras were everywhere whereas yeah. obviously they couldn't get everywhere with in the Newcastle when yes they got to dressing room and that and that was great and whatnot. but it was all to make the owners it was all to try and make the owners yeah. look good really wasn't try it try to water things down wasn't yeah. it that, that's what I was trying yeah, to do absolutely and you know if they asked Sky Sports to do it we, we wouldn't have done it like that but look you might not know the answer to this and, and it's one of the questions that have been sent in um, what was the reaction behind the scenes in, in regards to the club's point of view that those three episodes got released far too early than what they're supposed to so episode one and two came out oh, yeah. then three and four came out at the same time we yeah. Before schedule yeah. was, a, then obviously did they did they take them back down or did... they took them back down after yeah. about a day? But everybody had downloaded them on the devices so they could watch them straight away. And obviously the big news released that Adidas was going to be next season yeah. sponsor on the back of that. I don't think they were that bothered. Like I think they were probably like, oh god, who's? I don't think I don't <laughs> who's think done it, that. <laughs> I don't think it bothered anyone too much. Yeah, like it's I, out of their hands. It, I also think, Amazon's yeah, I also think there's so much going on at the moment that it's probably the least in a line of things to yeah. con to contend with. Yeah, you know, just all the FFP stuff and you know the meetings of the Premier League and the Champions League around the corner and organizing preseason. I think there was just so much going on trying to sign players a transfer window that it was a bit like it, it probably pissed a couple of people off for like an hour or two and yeah, then it was just forgotten it. about yeah. I, I feel very much in this job and what i've seen recently is 
I remember under the previous regime, things would get dredged up. And if you made a mistake or I said something on air that annoyed anyone or you were kind of, it, it was remembered for a while. Mm. Whereas I think with this now, it's such a runaway train and there's just so much going on that no one's got time yeah. to like get... There's something know, positive just around the no corner. No one's got time to get annoyed yeah. too much. You just need to go with it. Everyone's everyone's too busy. Mm. Yeah, everyone's too busy to worry about things like that too much. And you've not got the club on to you saying, oh, why have you said that? They're just a bit like, you say mm -hmm. what you want about us. We will just keep our head down and do our own thing. That's what the... Yeah. That's the message we are getting from, from, from a fan's from point of view. I, I think what people would have seen from the club, and, and and obviously a lot of fans are just happy with with what happens on the field, and, and that's just carried mm. what, what they're happy with. From my point of view, I like looking at other things and what's happening around behind the scenes. I feel <laughs> as well. And you know what is what the club's done recently with the content which they're putting out as well, and putting bums on seats in mm. those actual jobs as well, yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than just letting Lee and Dan yeah. run everything behind the scenes. Yeah. They've actually got a team behind them as well now. It's, it's strange the way they've done it. Well, it's not strange. I mean, it's, it's it doesn't surprise me. But if you think most other clubs, I can't, what's the phrase that Darren Eels use? Use is it's like a what do you say, like a hundred and hundred year startup or something? What he meant by that is, you look at the Man City takeover, the Chelsea takeover. Like they got they got their ducks in a row behind the scenes with mm -hmm. the people working in commercial departments, the yeah. media department, sponsorship, did all that, and then what? Whereas in Newcastle, they've come in because because when the takeover happened, the club were in the relegation zone, about to go down to the championship. So mm -hmm. like immediately they just spent money that transfer window. Yeah. Suddenly you've got players in there earning over a hundred thousand pounds a week, right? So once a few of them were in, they had to keep building. So it's almost like the, that part's sorted or or in the midst of being sorted. Like mm -hmm. there's big name players coming yeah. in, but behind the scenes at the club, it's still a lot of the areas are still kind of how it was yeah and it's like they're doing it the other way around if you know yeah. what i mean so they're not slowly building up they're just going bang there's the players we need to stay in the division now eddie's arrived eddie wants these players we need to get we want to get the champions League. we've gotten mm -hmm. the champions League. we want to win a trophy but if you look behind the scenes yes they're slowly getting there but if you look at the commercial department at the club the media department they're starting to bring in new staff now the media department of like bulked up in recent months commercial department are getting bigger because they're having to do more deals but that it's now been two years since the takeover mm -hmm. and it's yeah. it's happening quite slowly whereas the football side just improved dramatically yeah. but behind the scenes i mean even you look at the stadium yeah. like things like like the hospitalities like not like you look you go to hospitality at manchester city or chelsea or spurs i mean it's on a different level mm. to what you get at newcastle the, the, the trying hence why they've, they've opened the two new bars and you've got wings yeah, in that corner, yeah know, rooftops yeah yeah i'm going there on saturday actually so uh <laughs> And then fly to Paris first thing on Sunday morning. So I don't fancy. I don't fancy. <laughs> what, don't I don't fancy what kind of condition I'm going to be in on Sunday morning. No, but I'm actually I'm actually going to the game and I'm going to do like a bit of work from there as well. So God knows what my report's going to be like. <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I, are, I, so they are doing that. But if mm -hmm. you if you were to go to hospitality at Spurs, you'd be like blown away yeah. by it. Newcastle, it's. But it's just the way they're having it. This is way that they've not really got much choice. It's just yeah. the, it's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. And do you think it's because there's that many boxes to be ticked? After obviously Mike Ashley left, that there was yeah, so well, many things well, that had look, to be he dragged, touched, the, he dragged the club down. Yeah, you know, he was he was running the club like a lower end championship yeah. club. I mean, the training ground. People talk about the training ground, and yes, it's had a facelift now. But I tell you, it hasn't in the press room down the bottom. And we mm. still go to that place every day, and you're like, "What is this?" <laughs> like honestly, it's just like I can't believe I've spent ten years of my life going there every do, Friday. Do you see more people in the press room now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it yeah, a lot busier now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, it, it was always busy anyway because Newcastle's always had an interest. There's always mm. been something about even when things weren't going well, there was it was always a story because yeah. there was always something happening, wasn't there? There's always that mole. Yeah, I remember the mole. Yeah, yeah. reading all the news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now, yeah, I mean, there's probably for a regular game for a regular Friday, there's probably about like twenty five of us in the room, mm. which is, I mean, I was at Leeds today and there was only five people there. Right. Okay. I know Leeds are in the championship, but even when Newcastle were in the championship, they were still probably getting fifteen people coming because mm. there was still this attraction with Newcastle. There was still always some something happening. There was always it was more of a media circus beforehand, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Well, everyone was just taking a bit of a kick at the club, yeah. weren't they? Whereas now they can't really do that as much. Have they upgraded the mics yet? In, in a press conference, was well, there still no mic? In the training ground. I know ground, Eddie's got one. Training ground in yeah. the stadium. Uh, in the training ground. Um, well, no, they don't have a mic. That's so, what I mean, the need one. <laughs> like, the need one. So Because you go and listen to the press conference, and you hear Eddie. So that's all. So that's all. And he's six minutes shouting his tits off. Yeah. He's, yeah, and everyone else, else whispering, yeah. <laughs> well, he does shout, sit beside me, and Andy's so loud that he, he normally wakes me up on a Friday morning. Um yeah, so so that all that all you're hearing that through Eddie Howe's mic. That's what I mean. It's a you're hearing that. So we were sat there on the other side of the cameras. There, you're picking up my voice from there, and it's a Friday morning, and sometimes I can't be bothered, and I'm yeah. just like, whisper. and um, yeah, that's yeah. You go to bit Leeds today, so sorry, I keep saying this, but just for example, because I was there today, it leads today, and they've got a nice new press room. And you go in, and there's a roving mic. Mm -hmm. So the roving mic just cuts out. There's a bit of a like pass, and sometimes a bit of a gap between it getting passed yeah. or whatever, and a bit of silence, but it gets passed and you would hear every single question getting mm -hmm. asked. And when we do the Champions League games, you'll probably notice you can hear every question getting asked. Yeah. But in that, in there, they don't have that. But This I, is what I want, because that, that's what content from the club. If I can listen to Eddie Howe's press conference as a podcast, that's what I want. So it doesn't matter if you lose, you get beat 4-0 off Chelsea at the weekend, want that. as long as you can hear the press conference. I want conference. a microphone right. in the press room. I've mentioned it for years. Well, listen, I've seen, the, I've been in the room. I don't know if you've been in it yourself. I'm not sure that room is compatible with a microphone. <laughs> Why don't you actually get, you should have the press conferences in here. This would work well. Yeah, we could. We'll get Eddie in. Just get Eddie, get a player, sat next to each other here, get the cameras. Honestly, this room's probably actually bigger than, <laughs> than the room there. Um, speaking of press conferences, were you in the press conference with Arteta after that Arsenal game? Uh, no. Well, you Do you know what? It's the one game I've not done this season. You weren't there? I went up to Scotland because um, it was Hearts Rangers semi-final and um, I got asked to go up and do that. And uh, I would love to know how awkward that was. Well, I've watched it back. I don't think it, I don't think it was that awkward, you know. I, I, I actually it was think, intense though, wasn't it? I don't it? think journalists really get awkward. Yeah. Feel awkward. Like honestly, particularly print guys. Like I, I think was it Luke? I think it was Luke Edwards who asked the first couple of questions. It would have actually probably been me asking the first couple yeah, had Luke, it been I, there. I kept on going. But I think it was Luke. But, yeah. Well, yeah, but I think well, I think if you're a journalist, you realise that he's trying to say something, and you when they say something like that, you're like, oh, he's got more in him here. Let's keep mm. let's keep pre pressing his buttons. And I think that was all Luke was doing. And I think. Um, I don't. I don't think these guys. I don't think the newspaper reporters really feel awkward. I think I sometimes do a little bit, but I, I honestly don't think they do. And especially when it's someone like Arteta, who they don't. So it was Luke, who's a journalist for the Northeast, yeah. Thomas Newcastle. I think if it was Eddie, he'd probably feel a bit like, oh, I have to see this guy every week. Yeah. Have to. Whereas Arteta, he's only seen him twice a season, so True. he's just like, just leave it out there. So now I was. I wasn't there, but I've watched it back. But look, he wanted to say that. Yeah. He said the exact same thing in his TV interview to Sky and then his interview to PSG. like copy and paste everything. Yeah, it was thing, the exact it? same. So yeah. no one had to try hard to get, he wanted to come in and say it. No one yeah. had to try hard. That was his message and that's what he, want, what he wanted to say. 
the the harder ones are when you know someone doesn't want to say something but you're trying to push them to say yeah. it and if it's someone you like then you feel bad about it and if it's someone you don't like then you're like this could get nasty that's the whereas i, th I feel the arteta thing like luke was almost just facilitating it yeah. they were just, like, just entertaining him so, just give him a bit more and he was just like yeah just keep yeah. going yeah he wanted to say that um, I'm, I'm gonna end on one final question because we've been going for 50 minutes there um so a lot, a lot of talk about transfers the majority of questions it's been in uh, well just in, in relation to transfers which they always are um but do you think that with the injuries which we've seen now to to uh, Isaac and Callum Wilson. I'll just change your question. Okay. Who are we signing in January? That's what you're asking. Yeah, that, that is a lot of questions. But I think a lot of people are looking at, because of obviously the suspension yeah, too, yeah. to Denali, people are looking at that centre midfield position, then obviously Neves was linked, etc. Do you think the club might have to now look at that striking position as well? Because it's not the first time, it won't be the last time yeah. both of these lads have injuries. I've been asking myself the same question. I honestly don't think it's still, I don't think it's a priority because I think he sees Gordon as a, someone who can play through the middle. Mm. Has he been that? Was he that great in the couple of games he's played there against Dortmund? Did a job, but I just yeah. think I think the team's weaker without him on the left. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Um, if it was me, I would. I always think you need to go with three strikers. Mm -hmm. Look, we spoke to Eddie about this at length, and Dan Ashworth, and he said the reason we didn't bring in a third striker is we didn't have the funds to do that, and we thought it was more important that we brought in a central midfielder in the shape of Tenali, mm -hmm. and then these fullbacks who they, they saw a window of opportunity with Livermento. Southampton haven't been relegated and they saw, right, this is our chance to get him. Yep. And then with Hall, they knew that Chelsea had to sell to facilitate the amount of money they were spending. They, they, saw, yeah. they saw a window of opportunity there and they acted on it. And look, these two lads might end up being the right and left backs for England mm -hmm. in four or five years' time. We might not, but they might. I mean, Livermento especially looks very, very good, I yeah, think. I think the, only, the frustrating thing for Newcastle is he plays the same position as the, the captain, yeah. you know, who's like... He's had an absolutely phenomenal... Yeah, 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 you're not you're not gonna not play. I would try and find if it was me, I would try and find a way to get Livermento in the team. And mm. whether it's playing Trippier at left back or playing Livermento at left, I would try and get him I would try and get him in the team, especially with Dan Burn out injured. Um He does look quality though, doesn't he? Really yeah. good, very good, very good. I mean, it's just the way that goal against Man United, the way the way the way he kind of just ghosted past like three players and then it, not even that it was the weight of the pass into mm. into Almiron as well. Um and he's got I've interviewed him a couple of times and he's got this kind of real, it's not arrogance, but this real sort of steely confidence that you're like, this guy's going to go well. He really believes in himself, mm. like really believes in himself. Where you don't see that a lot with some players these days. Some of them are a bit kind of, but you can see he's he's he, he's going to go, he's going to go far. Um, so in terms of a striker, look, I, I, I think there's a chance that the club will bring in a forward another mm -hmm. forward and what I mean I don't mean like a num another number nine I, I think there's a chance that we might see someone who can play a across the front like I, I still think that wide right position's a little bit weak mm -hmm. with just Murphy and Almiron yeah. obviously Murphy being injured Almiron picks up a few injuries he needs two players for that position my worry is you get to January and you know the, the whole situation looks a lot different yeah. with regards to Europe Carabao Cup look you'll still be in the FA Cup and you've got the league to go for I think a lot depends on where the club are. I mean, if you're still in Europe there, suddenly you need quite a few players in January. You need bodies, yeah. Yeah, you do. But if you're out of Europe, things aren't quite as as, as desperate. I think I think there'll be a an attempt to get a forward in. I'm not saying it will be an out and out number nine, a la Callum Wilson, mm -hmm. but someone like Anisak that can play, you know, across the front across the front three, a, a anti Gordon type thing. Um 
I think they will try and bring in a midfielder because they've looked light in midfield. Um, great getting Joe Willett back. I think he's. Shown, I can't believe how good he's been given how long he's been out. But I think getting him back. I mean, he he would. He's arguably my first name in the team sheet. I always forget how good Willett is. Yeah. When he's not there, then when he's back so playing, you just you, you just me think that, he he is great. Yeah. That game he came back. That first game back against Dortmund when he came on early. I was mm-hmm. watching him like he did two no look passes. Within he'd only been back on the pitch for five no. minutes, and then the way he took that goal against Man United mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, he's getting a second win now. Like he hit, he hit the ball. You know, he got the. He really went for it when he came back. Um, hit the ball um, the way against Manchester United. It was just like he just struck it into the bottom corner, and he, he just kind of, for me, it looks effortless with him at times. And I think he's come back really strong. There might be, there might be a little bit of a, a fall off for the next sort of couple of weeks while he tries to find his feet and gets a mm-hmm. second win. But I think having him back is a huge boost. Yeah. You've got Joe Linton in there, who's obviously, you know you're, what you're going to get from him and, and Bruno. I still don't feel Bruno's 100%. I still, he's not quite got back we, to we, his... We've said this, the same it, since on, on a Monday show that we do. It's It always looks like he's in, yeah. in his ankle with, with, yeah. with Bruno. I wasn't sure whether maybe his nose had been put out of joint a little bit by mm. Tenali's arrival, but since Tenali's been away, he's kind of been the same. Mm. He's good, don't get me wrong, but he's he's a bit like he's a seven out of ten every week at mm. the moment. Whereas when he first came, he was like a nine out of ten yeah. every week, and he's. Do you not think that's just because everybody else were up around yeah, him stepped up that? Yeah, that it might it might be, but I just think he's he's getting caught a little bit in possession, and I just thought he was playing with he was playing with a different charisma I thought yeah. last season to what he is what he is this, but look. That can change quickly. Yeah. All it takes is one good game and suddenly you're flying again, yeah. you know? So I think they'll try and bring in another midfielder. Even though Willock's back, I just think you need a hold, You need a holder in there. Mm-hmm. And I think Tenali's a huge loss. The other interesting one would be defence. And we, we've touched on it already. And there's technically only three central defenders there in, in the shape of Botman, Cher and Lascelles. Yes, Paul Dummett's come in and played in those games, but I don't think he looks like he's going to play him probably in, yeah. in the league. Um, so Dan Byrne could play in there, but he's injured. So mm-hmm. I think another center, central defender is desperately needed. Do you think it's going to be more looking than the loan market, though? I think so. I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there was one purchase. So Dan Ashworth said in his interview um, a couple of weeks ago, he said, look, you know, we're kind of at our limits for FFP for this window in mm-hmm. January. But like Anthony Gordon last year, if the right player came up at the right price, we can move it forward. Yeah. We can move a piece of business forward. So they did that with Gordon. So that is an option. So I wouldn't be surprised if they managed to get one player in. And I don't think Eddie Howe's, I don't think he's desperate for loans. If you mm. look at it so far, other than Matt Target, he's not really loaned anyone. Yes, the Lewis Hall thing is a loan, but that we know that's going to be permanent. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, obligation. It's obligation, it? so that's definitely going to go per- become permanent. So, what about the lads that have gone out on loan? Obviously, you were you weren't involved, but you, you followed Minty to when he went on loan mm. to, to Scotland, didn't you? Mm. He's at- oh no, that was uh, no, that was um, the other one. Um, was on Minty that he was. No, it was uh, God. That's terrible. Um, there was Aussie lad, cool. Oh, Gar- sorry, Garang, cool. it was. Yeah, yeah. So, so Minty is in fire node. Yeah. Um, Option to bring him back? Yeah, well, he was asked about that. I, I got the impression, reading between the lines, that maybe maybe doesn't quite feel he's ready. Mm. But then if he's scoring for Feyenoord, I would suggest that he probably is ready. Yeah, featuring like, Champions League games as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, they might might bring him back just to have another option because he's out with the, the 23-man squad as well because he's a youngster. So that might be an option. But I, I still think they'll look to probably bring in one forward irrespective of the situation yeah, with him I just think they want someone who's who's experienced enough they can come in and 
you know they know what they're going to get from mm. him whereas they might not feel they can get that from from him just yet what a brilliant name minty unreal isn't it <laughs> it's unreal he does look like he's, he's doing well over there but like you said premier league's a yeah. whole different ball game as well i just think this january i just think this january transfer window now with the news yesterday from the the premier league meeting that i just think it changes the face of it now and i just think this is a window of opportunity if you pardon the pun for newcastle to go out and do something here because there's every chance that come the summer this that this might not be allowed now yeah. and then there might be a ban in place might have to take advantage of it was this is what i mean there's a window of opportunity now and i think it would be remiss in newcastle not to try and strengthen while they can i know they won't want to hugely piss anyone off too much but you know if they were to go and get a couple of loan players in you know for argument's sake if it was like a neves and a gabriel vega these guys aren't going to come in and win Newcastle the league, but they're going to strengthen the the team, and I think I think that you know they're they're within the the rules by by doing that. So, um, look, I'm looking forward to the January transfer window now because I think there'll be a lot, quite a lot to talk about. Mm. You'll actually be, be back in Newcastle because there's a few seasons where you weren't even there, wasn't there? Yeah, well, well, actually, well, on deadline day, you mean? Yeah, on deadline day. Well, yeah. you, you say that, but in the last deadline day in August, there I ended up at Sunderland. Did you? <laughs> well, because I knew. Well, all the all the oh, business, business, all the business was done with. two days yeah. early. Deadline day, and you, I think Sunderland brought in four players, and mm. I just phoned my desk and said, "I'm going to go over to Sunderland here." And I drove over, and they had suddenly had four players arriving. They forget about that on we side with you, don't they? Yeah, no, I know, I know. Well, I got over there, and um, yeah, I got over there, and they were like, "What are you doing over here? You know how you?" Never keep you guys happy. So anyway, yeah, but they signed four players, and it was interesting. Like, doesn't even just signing it, signing players doesn't matter how big names they were, yeah. you know. But for Newcastle, I don't think they'll leave it to the last minute. I just don't think that's the way they like to do it. But mm. what what they should probably do is have a couple of players ready to go on the first of January. Bang, press the button and go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've, they've got this relationship with the four Saudi clubs owned by PIF, so they shouldn't be scrapping around at the end of the window. They should be in a position to say, right, the, the player wants to come. We'll we'll reach yeah. an agreement, a financial agreement with the club to loan them. Yes, we'll, we'll come up with some kind of loan deal that's going to be favourable for Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And they should they should really be in a place in the first or second of January to go bang there we go there and and then you get them for the whole of the month as yeah. well yeah I think that's which we always didn't have to do one of the previous ownership as well it was always last minute if anything and then, like I said it's a full month gone straight away yeah yeah but fingers crossed it's plenty of business and because we we need it we need a few bodies especially with the injury concept. but these are good problems they are they are good problems as Darren Neil said champagne problems aren't they <laughs> like we're sitting here going oh who are you going to sign in January but look we're talking about. You're, you're talking about who we're going to sign in January, right? We're worried about the the injury crisis, okay? But you've got players coming back and, and good players in the shape of Isak and Barnes. Mm -hmm. You've got a Champions League game away this time in six days' time mm -hmm. against Paris Saint-Germain, Mbappe and co, right? You're st again. still in the group, <laughs> still in the Carabao Cup. You've knocked out Manchester City and Manchester United, okay? You've got Chelsea at home on Saturday, probably the favourites, you're probably the favourites to win the game. Mm. And you're still in a strong position in the Premier League, and you imagine that two, 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 and, well, a half year, two and a half years it's ago. It's all going well. I know, but I think sometimes it's easy for people, fans of any club, to be like, "Oh, because you're just worried about the next window, or yeah. the next game, or the next." But if you, when you actually, and listen, I'm not saying the fans don't do this because any fan you speak to are still, especially when you go into the pub after the game, they're all still come, even if it's a defeat or a draw, mm. they're still like, "Wow, this is just amazing." Yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think anyone's taking it for granted. I think everyone's still enjoying the ride and these are 
not bad problems to have. They're, they're, they're good ones. And the injury the injury situation will sort itself out in, yeah. due, in due course. Of course it will. Uh, thanks to everybody that has uh, joined us tonight for this question. And fans, uh, thank you if you have sent questions in. I apologise if I haven't gone through them all. Um, I've tried to just bundle as many together as <laughs> possibly can because there was a lot of the same when it came to transfers. Uh, thanks, Keith, for joining me there tonight. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having as me. As always. Um, if you do like the video, just like it. It's all we ask. Become a subscriber. It costs you nothing to do that. If you are listening to the audio, because this will be released afterwards as an audio as well, just give us a five-star rating as well. If you want to give a little bit extra back, it is just $2.99 a month. Become a member. You get extra videos. You get early access to videos. You get access to the Telegram group as well. We'll see you next time. See you later. Podcast Network.